This episode might be a bit counterintuitive, but we're going to question the real impact of common financial habits. Are the strategies you consider beneficial actually working in your favor? So are your good money habits holding you back this week on Middle Class Millionaire with John Choi? Becoming a millionaire isn't just about growing your money. It's also about protecting and preserving your wealth by using the right financial strategies for your situation. Welcome. This is Middle Class Millionaire with John Choi. John has his Master's of Science in Financial Services and is a certified financial planner and the president of Epiphany Capital. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast. Mark Killian here alongside John Choi certified financial planner and president at Epiphany Capital. And here on this week on the Middle Class Millionaire, we're going to do a two-part uh, podcast episode on our good money habits holding us back. We've got 10 kind of categories here. We're going to go through five on this episode, five on the next, and kind of go through the, I guess, the good habit side, and then let John give us some you know, kind of counterpoint things to think about so that we maybe don't go too far in any one direction. Balance is probably going to be the key takeaway from this but it'll be fun to uh, have that conversation with John. What's going on, my friend? How are you this week? Just recovering from the uh, from the holiday season. Now we've got uh, a new year. New year, new me, right? That's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. I'm doing that myself, man. I'm actually on a diet for the first time. I've decided to do the whole resolution thing. I never do it. Uh, sticking to it. Actually, I'm down ten pounds already. So. Oh, wow. That's great. You'll have to share those secrets with me after the show. I will do it. I will do it. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's a new year. We're taping this uh, right here about the second week of January. So good time to think about some of these good money habits, John. Make sure that we aren't uh, you know, maybe getting too far in any one direction in the coming year because 24 probably is going to be pretty interesting, right? Election years usually are. Plus with the Fed, you know, making announcements about possibly cutting rates, uh, inflation you know, was up a little bit for December. The final numbers just came out. So still a lot of volatility going on. So certainly worthwhile to think about our habits and, and how we're kind of dealing with those. So let's dive in, shall we? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's rock and roll. All right. Ignoring our account statements. Now, I said ignoring the account statements. So you get your stuff in, you, you see who it's from, you throw it in the financial junk drawer, uh, you don't take a look at it. I guess the good side, if you were trying to find a good habit in that, John, would be that yeah, at least you avoid overreacting to seeing the numbers go up and down, right? If you open it up and you go, oh, I made money, yay, or you open it up and you go, oh, no, I lost. And then like you feel like you've got to make some sort of change or you know, do something like that. I suppose that could be a good takeaway, but probably overall not the best idea to ignore these things. You hit the nail on the head. You got to have some balance on, on these different um, topics, if you will. And ignoring account statements, people were telling me um, in back in 2008, they're like, we don't even open those statements. It's still like glued. And back then, everything was mailed out. Now, I know a lot of people get the uh, PDF statements, right? But um, the majority of our statements were actually physically mailed, and they would say, we are not looking at these things. And you know what? It wasn't a bad thing. Just because what you said is they would have their portfolios down 20, 30, some people 40%. And they said, if we looked at it, we would have bailed out. I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they kind of buried their head under the sand. Sometimes that's okay, but other times, in normal times, I would say open up the statement, make sure there's no funny transactions, the costs are in line, there's not these crazy um, buy and sells and all this extraneous activity. Um, you got to watch out for that. So, yeah, you got to open it. Got to open it. Got you know, at least got to have some balance, right? You don't have to obsess, but you got to open it. 
don't uh, don't obsess. Yeah, don't. I mean, don't call your broker when there's like a a five cent interest charge that was from a money market sweep and uh, yeah you don't want to do that right right all right number two keeping a strict budget well the good here right john i guess that helps you in uh, you know with some discipline right good discipline helps to save money right keep the spending down helps achieve those financial goals but you want to be careful too to, to not get I, I know a ton of times like when i talk to advisors across the country so many people will send in emails and questions and say hey like i'm really nervous about how to actually spend this money now that i've saved it all because you get kind of in this groove, right? And it's kind of like, well, now I'm afraid to touch it. You know, when I was a kid, it was pounded into my head as a kid of immigrant parents that you got to save, save, and save some more. Okay. It was just all about deferring, gra- not gra- I was going to say delayed, gratitude. Yeah, delayed deferring gratitude. Yep. gratification, yep, right? Yep. Delayed gratification. And so, um, you know, it was all about saving, save, 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 save. Now, I heard this story, and, and I'm kind of still a little bit like that. And, and I heard this story, and it really kind of struck home with me. So there's this guy, he was collecting, or he's a big uh, Corvette, rare Corvette collector. I don't want to say collector, but an enthusiast. Okay, sure. And he had gotten on this list. Apparently, you got to get on this list, right, to even buy a Corvette. And then when you buy some of the, it, some of the rare you ones, pay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you pay more than the MSRP. Oh, for sure. Which is kind of. Like I never, I didn't know that. I'm I'm always trying to like get four or five, ten thousand below sticker, right? Right. But these guys are paying a premium, so I didn't know that that world existed. But now I do. Okay, all good. So he gets on this list. He finally gets this Corvette. He pays the premium and he buys it. And he has a a tribe that you know of other Corvette enthusiasts that buy these cars and they have I don't know if it's a Reddit account or whatever. They're talking about it. And they're like, yeah, how many miles did you put on it this first year that you owned it? People are like, oh, 5,000 miles. And somebody's like, yeah, I put 3,000 miles. And someone goes, I only put 500 miles. And they're like, oh, yeah, your resale value is going to be so good. And Mm. this guy says, I put 60,000 miles on it. And they're like, you're crazy. Wow. Why are you putting so many miles on this? It's going to kill the resale value. And he goes, guys, it's my car. I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. I'm not saving it for the next person. There might not be a next person. Even if there is a next person, I want to enjoy my stuff. Right? Exactly. And I'm like, huh. I was like, you know, he's right. Now, again, we're going to talk about the B word, balance. You can't just spend all your money, all your money on the today. Right, you got to say some for a rainy day, but you can't just squirrel it away and never spend it on yourself. So this is a totally behavioral finance, uh, you know, topic exactly. or a lane, I should say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, like, so you got to you got to enjoy it, right? I mean, yeah. And I get that it's a hard shift, and that's a lot of times where you guys bring that extra value into play as advisors and professionals is saying, okay, let's coach you through this. You've saved it now. Now get comfortable with spending it, right? And that's where that balanced plan comes into yes. play too, because it shows you in writing. All right, I can spend some of this and feel good about it. And the big, I think one of the biggest barriers of spending is they don't know how much money is coming in during retirement either because they don't have a withdrawal plan Mm -hmm. or they have no guaranteed income, right? Very, very little social security, no pensions, no, no. And so they're, they've got a lot of assets, 
but they don't have a spending plan or they don't have an income plan during retirement. So they're like, oh, I don't know if I could spend that. I'm so worried. I've got 20 million in the bank. I'm so worried. Mm. And that's just not right yeah. either. Yeah, so, you- and, ev- and we got to remember, eventually it's all going to somebody else. I was going to say, if you don't enjoy it, your kids will. So. Oh, and they will get the country club dues. Yeah, right, for they sure. will pay the country club uh, membership. They will get the yacht that you did that you skimped on that but, you didn't get. Especially if you're rocking twenty million, that's for sure. You know, it's, it's they fun- will they will spend it on what you didn't. That's I guarantee right. it. Guarantee it. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that about the car thing. Uh, one of my uh, a favorite a favorite rock star that I follow, an older older guy now, but he was talking about he was he's selling his very rare Ferrari. It's called a La Ferrari, uh, and apparently, in order to even get one, there's only four hundred and ninety nine of them made that you have to have bought so many of their other Ferraris over a number of years before that you can even qualify to buy this particular Ferrari, right? So it's like oh, this wow. kind of program, right? So And the car <laughs> itself is like a million dollars, you know? Oh so, yeah, so it's pretty, you know, those really rare cars, right? They, they, uh, they, got them, they got them lining up for it, that's for sure. All right, number three, investing in familiar stocks. Good habit, right? Something you know. It's good sage advice maybe to kind of stick with the things that you know. But, of course, all you got to do is say something like Enron, and you could certainly kind of get that taken aback for a second and go, okay, there's nothing wrong with having some things that you're familiar with. But I'll, I'll bring it in even closer t- in time than Enron. You know, we see emails and things from people that say, hey, Dad left me this stock when he passed away, and it was really near and dear to his heart, and I don't want to sell it because he loves it, even though it's a dog, right? And it's like, are you hanging on to that for sentimental reasons or financial reasons? So, you know, just kind of be careful in that lane, too. Yeah, as uh, us academics say, there is no premium for loyalty in the stock market. There's there's a market premium. Uh, there's a risk premium. There's all these other premiums, small cap premium. But there is no loyalty premium. The stock doesn't care. Uh, the market doesn't <laughs> care. People don't care. It doesn't care about your feelings. For... Right. Yeah. yeah. So, look, look I, I, I know it's, it's uh, comforting. Okay, so I know that there are companies, especially in my area in Chicago, these executives have 80, 90% of their net worth tied up into one stock. And I point to companies, hey, have you heard of a company called Enron? Have you heard of a company called WorldCom? Like, ah, yeah, but it won't happen to us. And they just hoard the stock. And I said, man, maybe you should just diversify a little bit. They're like, no, no, our company's going to the moon. Here's what happens. They get laid off. And all of a sudden, it's a it's a crappy company now. They they hate the company. They want to divest all of their money from it. I said I thought it was a great company. They are like, nah, I I don't work for them anymore. So they suck now. So I want to sell everything. I'm like, what's changed? The only thing that's changed is you, your job. The company hasn't changed. And so that's the trap that we get into is we have some feeling of loyalty or some feeling of familiarity and that could lead to an over concentration of wealth in one stock or one industry. Yeah, definitely, right? So you got to be careful with some of that. You don't want to over and that's where really that balance definitely comes in, right? Having a diverse portfolio because if you're, you know, if you're a little too headstrong in a particular area, that's going to kind of reduce that uh, diversification uh, options yeah. for you. Okay. Automation in the new world, right? I mean, we could say something like AI, right? And everybody kind of cringes and goes, "Oh my God, I'm sick of AI already," uh, you know. And it's not even, you know, really up and rolling as good as it probably could be uh, or will be. But just talk about basic automation here. Like the good side of this, if you embrace this, is it makes investing and saving awful darn simple, right? You don't see the stuff; it goes right to your four hundred one k or whatever. Timely bill payments, things and that. That stuff can be kind of cool, but just be careful. I would imagine, John, not to get too too automated to the point where you kind of disengage, right? 
Yeah. And this is kind of like going back to, um, you know, looking at your financial statements. I'm a big proponent of automatic savings, automatic bill payment, automatic retirement account contributions. Big proponent of that because it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Right. right? You, and you don't miss it, it kind of thing. Right. Especially for the savings. You don't miss it. Yeah. Especially if it doesn't if it stays in your checking account for like two seconds, it's like, boom, or it doesn't even touch it. Your checking account. <laughs> right. That's even better. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So but you don't want to be so disengaged where, hey, uh, they were pulling out an extra three hundred dollars and it was going nowhere. And it's now you got to go find it. You got to do the mental gymnastics. You've got to make phone calls, waste a bunch of time. You don't want that. So mm-hmm. again, balance, you've got to pay attention to it, but it's the it's that big hump, if you will, that it helps alleviate that if you do it automatic investing, automatic enrollment in your retirement plans, automatic bill pay. Hey, we all get busy. Sometimes we forget to pay the light yeah, bill. Exactly. Um, and, and <laughs> I just did that over wanna... Christmas, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a good thing. And it, it helps, you know, to alleviate any uh, late penalty fees and things like that. So almost all of my bills are auto pay. But I do keep a... They send me an email that says, oh, you know, you're, we just charge your account, I don't know, $72 for garbage pickup or something like okay cool yeah now if it said seven thousand two hundred dollars i'm like okay somebody punched in a couple of wrong decimals so you got it that's what i'm talking about you got to like take a real quick look everything it checks the box you can delete the email and you move on with your life there you go right and that's kind of kind of back to like that statement conversation too earlier so uh so yeah just you know got to kind of you know got to keep your head in the in uh, in the game a little bit right you got to have some focus in there uh, you don't have to always watch it like a hawk, but you certainly want to keep an eye on some things. And then we'll finish off with number five here, patience, getting into the stock market. Now, certainly, you know, taking your time and making sure that things are right, you know, could be a good, seen as a good habit, right? You're not acting irrationally. But as we all know, you can also patience this thing forever. I heard of a statement, I don't know, over a decade ago, and I was just reminded of it about a month ago. And the statement goes like this. Long-term patience, short-term urgency. Mm, I like that. Okay, long-term patience, short-term urgency. So you have this long-term goal of getting to a a number or getting to your retirement or a goal or whatever, and you don't want to fall for these rich quicks. Uh, get rich quick schemes, right? Like you name it, like a Ponzi scheme or whatever, and that play on your greed. You don't want to uh, fall victim to that. And if you do fall vic- victim to it, it's because you don't have long-term patience. You just have you know urgency for your long-term goals. But the opposite of that is short-term urgency, right? You want to do everything you can now. Don't delay putting away money for your retirement. You have to be urgent and you have to be like, you know, doing it Every day, not every day, but every month, right? Right, right. You're you're putting money in into your retirement. You're putting money into your five twenty nine plan. You're putting money into you know whatever rental real estate, whatever is your shtick, okay? And you're saying, look, you're not seeing the impact of it today because you have long term patience. You know that in twenty years from now, it's going to pay off. Even it's like working out. I just started working out a, a few months ago, okay. Do I start seeing changes in my but do I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger like after <laughs> after a month? No, right? It's it, I'll never get there, but I know here's what I know, Mark. Uh, I have the tonal, right? And it keeps track of how many um pounds that you lift in total. I said my goal is a million pounds this year. 
if I can lift a million pounds, I know that there will be a change in my body. I, I, I firmly believe that, and I have faith in that. Mm. I don't see it every day after every workout, but I know it'll be there. But I work out like urgency, man. I got to get my workout in today. I got to get my workout in today, even though I don't see it. Gotcha. I, Does that I'll, make sense? I, no, it makes total sense. And, and I think it's right on the money there. And, and of course, I'm sitting here kind of seeing you all swole up like uh, Arnold. And I'm just like, you know, get to the financial chopper. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Get to the chopper. Get to the financial chopper. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's... get to the 401k. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. I mean, Arnold's such an icon, right? But yeah, it yeah. takes time, right? It takes patience. Uh, you know, to kind of get through some things. And yeah, I was just talking with somebody not long ago. They were like, yeah, you know, when the market's really rough, I kind of peel back on my, you know, put money in on my paycheck on my 401k. I'm like, what? Why? I'm like, that's the wrong way to do that. You know, it's like, yeah, but it's it's down. I'm like, yeah, you're buying it when it's low. It's called dollar cost averaging. Talk to your advisor, yeah. silly head. Oh, you know what? Yeah. And, and, and that'll be next week's topic too. But, um, you know, my kids got uh, cash from their grandparents, from me and, you know, my wife for for Christmas, right? right? And they go, Dad, we want to invest it in the stock market. And I said, okay, great, because they all have their accounts. So they go, just just keep the cash, just make a deposit into our accounts. So I said, okay, great. I go, I kind of muttered under my breath at the end of the year. I go, man, I wish this would have been like three months ago and then we could have bought it for cheaper. And, <laughs> and, and, here, and here's what they say. They go, well, Dad, just hold it in cash. And then when the uh, whenever you think the it's the right time to to put it in there, then go ahead and put it in. We trust you. And I go. So what you're telling me is that you want me to time the market, they right? Go, right. Yeah. Can't, and I mean, they're children, right? They go. Right. Can't you teach them can't now? You though. Do that. Yeah. They they say can't can't you do that? Isn't that your job? I go. No, no. that's not my job. <laughs> you're not listening I said, to what I if say. I, <laughs> I told them, hey, if we could time the mar, if I could time the market. We have a much bigger uh, house. Yeah. <laughs> I said we we would be uh, you know every day in the uh, Bahamas or something. I said no one could time the market, guys. Yeah. They go. So when should we get in? I go. We get in now. Yeah. We we put in the cash. We don't look back. And the next time you have money, we put it in whether the market is high or low, and it all averages out. And we know long term. Uh, it's going to work out. Yeah, and especially when you're young like that, right? Because you got nothing but time. So certainly not a bad idea. But yeah, if you could time, if you knew exactly how to time the market, you wouldn't buy the live in the Bahamas. You'd own the Bahamas. You know, you just yeah, live, yeah, you yeah, your yeah, own yeah, private yeah. island kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah, we know we yeah. can't do that, right? So we got to have some patience, but we got to be careful not to let pr- procrastination kind of take over either. So that's the first five uh, good habits. You know, are it's good to have good habits, but are they possibly holding you back? So hopefully, you guys found that interesting. And of course, as always, if you need some help, do not make changes without talking with your financial professional uh, so that you can see how it's going to affect in your specific situation. And of course, if you don't have one, John is here to help. He's an instructor for the CFP program, as well as being a certified financial planner and president at Epiphany Capital. So get yourself on the calendar. Have a chat if you need to do so at johnchoy.net. That's johnchoy.net. You can book a chat or book a call online there. Just go check that out at johnchoy.net. And don't forget to subscribe to us if you enjoy the content on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. 
YouTube and all of its various things that it's doing now with all of its uh, audio and video combined into the one space. Go check that out. And John, thanks for hanging out with me here, buddy, on the podcast this week. Extra fun this week. Extra fun. We'll have some more fun next week. Absolutely. Right here on Middle Class Millionaire with John Choi, Certified Financial Planner at Epiphany Capital. Okay. Take care, everyone. Epiphany Capital is a registered investment advisor, RIA, located in the state of Illinois. Epiphany Capital provides investment advisory and related services for clients nationally. Epiphany Capital will maintain all applicable registration and licenses as required by various states in which Epiphany Capital conducts business, as applicable. Epiphany Capital renders individualized responses to persons in a particular state only after complying with all regulatory requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption or exclusion.